0: I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast and really looking forward today to having a conversation about Prairie STEM uh, with Alan Wang uh, as we're going to explore a little bit about some of the STEM kits, a recent uh, event that their organization hosted and just really take a look at all that Prairie STEM is doing within Nebraska uh, to grow some of that work and so Really grateful to Alan for his time today. And uh, Alan, for folks that don't know you, can you give us a little bit more of your backstory and and kind of personal history that led you to this work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us on, Andrew. I'm the executive director for Prairie STEM. When I started with Prairie STEM, I was a stay-at-home dad that had a kid who was interested in attending one of the robotics expos. Um, And we can get into that in a minute, but the robotics expo has been going on for 13 years. And we happened in on it about eight years ago, and it was at the SAC Museum. When we walked in, the first thing that you hear is a bunch of students screaming in the background, (laughs) yelling like there was a big concert going on. So, of course, uh, the first thing we do is to check out what all the fuss is about. When we round the corner and we see all these people gathered about looking at these robots playing soccer and then seeing that these were robots controlled by kids, Uh, Of course, at the time, my then kindergartner immediately said, daddy, daddy, this is something that I want to do. So I said, okay, no problem. I'm sure there's something available at your school. Spent the whole day, had a fantastic time, got to meet some amazing students, uh, stellar teachers, uh, got to learn all about what it is that they did. And then um, when when we went back to his school, you know, the following Monday and asked about it, thinking that this was something that every school had, we were new and into the district at the time, so didn't know. Uh, As it turns out, they didn't have it, but the principal was kind enough to say, if you want to start something, you can. And so, you know, one thing led to another. I was introduced to some pretty extraordinary people at UNO. They let us borrow a robot. That first robot for my three kids ended up becoming extremely um, uh, exciting and fun for them. And they were engaged in a way that they started inviting their friends. Their friends started coming to our house. Our three kids became six kids. Those six kids with one robot ended up becoming 12 kids that we ended up borrowing another robot from UNO. So those two robots for 12 kids ended up being two robots for well over 15, 16 kids once a week. Um, That was too much for my house. We ended up doing this after school programs. You can possibly imagine have a bunch of other kids standing around watching to see what you're doing. And then so those, those now three robots for all these kids that were watching to see what these kids that were just doing this informal after school club was doing ended up becoming something that I ended up applying for a small community grant. We purchased seven more robots, so now we had 10. Those 10 robots for initially those 15, 16 kids ended up becoming 10 robots because it was through a community grant, something that we ended up having to open up to the whole school. And that was part of the stipulation for applying to the grant. Within that first day, we had 94 kids sign up. Within the second day, all 330 kids were signed up. And so our attempt to basically just do something that, you know, my kids enjoyed and and found a lot of fun uh, and, and engagement with ended up being something that was a need that needed to be filled. And so very quickly, because it was only myself and another dad who was helping and we were just volunteering, we found that these kids were total sponges for information. And they definitely were learning at a pace that we were not able to keep up with. So then we started working with the teachers in the school, and this is at uh, Oakdale in Westside. And to their credit, the teachers there at the school embraced what we were doing, brought it into their classrooms and started making it so that it was helping to teach the curriculum. And that became kind of the light bulb moment when they were using these robots as the bright, shiny object, getting kids to learn things like geometry by having them draw shapes by programming the robot and then having these kids learn all about geometry through programming one thing led to the another uh, some stories were shared uh, people from the university started hearing about what we were doing they, they decided to do a site visit and very quickly there was all this attention about what was happening at oakdale for the entire school that then a foundation basically said hey this is this is pretty good stuff here would you be willing to try this and see what results you get at a different school with different demographics. This is in North Omaha. And then so when we said, sure, we would, that was really kind of the precursor for how how we started getting things done. It ended up scaling from that first school to two schools to three schools to then all around the different districts to now after school programming and now expanding potentially into 17 other cities around the country.
0: And it's pretty remarkable to see just the exponential growth over the small duration of time that you've allocated this to just see how it has exploded. And I think that you're, you're spot on that this is a work that for learners is engaging, uh, that is meaningful, uh, that they can have fun and, and explore in their investment, along with peers that are also interested in it. And I say that not just in response to what you shared there, but as a parent of two kiddos who go to one of the schools, and this is so a bit of our connection here, just for people that are listening in, uh, stems back to that, uh, that my own children have been in some of those after school experiences and have had a chance to do some of the different, uh, like the Prairie STEM kits, for example, I've gone uh, into our home and been things that we've done, and I've really appreciated and so. Uh, wow, over the course of all that, like you said, it must have been quite a challenge really to, to kind of keep up not only with the learners interest within each individual activity, but to scale like that, has that speak to those challenges, I guess.
1: Yeah, thanks. There were definitely a lot of challenges early on and still ongoing things that, you know, we are always learning, uh, this is never a point that you reach the destination, it is a constant journey, and one that allows us to adapt and adjust on the fly Uh, oftentimes you know we're constantly joking about flying the plane while we're building the runway and it seems like every time that we keep going down this path that runway gets farther and farther down the road being built for us it's been a good challenge to deal with the growth because that allows us to basically test and pilot a lot of new things Um, what started with just the robots has now quickly expanded to as you mentioned the stem kits you know, which was our response to COVID STEM kits was a direct result of the virtual curriculum that we created. And that was our service to teachers. That was our way to basically provide that on our website, uh, prairiestem.org, basically free of any costs associated to basically give these lesson plans curriculum that aligns to the state and national standards. Um, so that any teacher in any district specifically here in Nebraska that wants to teach one of the 10 or 12 lessons per grade Those are things that if they get those done, it's a check mark as a completed lesson that can get assessed based on what they're supposed to be doing in the district anyway. The cool thing is with the STEM kits that provides a hands-on component so that if a teacher is teaching remotely, they can still connect with the students by following along with them, either live remotely, synchronously, or asynchronously by giving them the materials, letting them finish it. And then for some of these students, they'll actually do online presentations that get submitted which becomes part of the, the bigger database of collective work that then gets assessed, not just by the teacher, but then by the community that's able to say, hey, this is some, some cool stuff here that you're doing with straw bridges, that you're, you're teaching engineering skills. But beyond that, those straw bridge lessons, that's more than just putting straws, tape together to hold a weight. It's also teaching them, because this is built in intentionally, those uh, SEL, social-emotional learning, learning skills, where that straw bridge is not just about the design engineering challenge of building a bridge that holds the weight. It's also extended into looking at the individual and how they have to build resilience within themselves and carrying the burden of being a remote learner during an historic pandemic, where at this point, kids are no longer able to be spoon-fed information by sitting in a classroom, letting a teacher give it to them, now they have to be active, engaged learners in order for them to keep up and continue accelerating along that that learning curve.
0: Yeah, and as I mentioned, I've seen that under my own roof and was grateful for that uh, during those times, and so thank you for for those efforts. I know within our ESU network statewide, just in the last 10 days, I've talked to multiple individuals uh, who have been actively constructing their own STEM kits, and so wanted to ask you to come on so that uh, in some ways we're not working harder than we need to because some of this stuff already exists and is available to the educators in Nebraska. Uh, and right. so thanks. Yeah, it had to have been a crazy effort to put all of those <laughs> kits together and get those out as everyone was asked to respond on such a short time frame to the conditions that that pandemic learning landed us in in 2020.
1: Right. We were all in the same boat. And,
0: and
1: <laughs> this is one of those things where uh, it definitely took the village with everything that it had. For us, our ability to be able to respond had everything to do with the support of the community. And the community really kind of rise to the occasion by offering volunteer support, where when we first started this, you know, more than a year ago, March of last year, we didn't know what we were getting into. We thought that just by creating the lessons that would be enough. Well, very quickly, we found out, as I'm sure you may have heard in your, in your kids' schools, that the teachers didn't have the time to put together those kits. And so what we ended up doing was again with the uh, gracious support of the foundations that support us, you know, including West Side District, you know, they were able to basically pull together resources for us to get the materials to put those kits together. But then when you're talking about kids in schools at scale, then you're talking about not just dozens or hundreds, but you're talking about thousands of kits. And when you're talking on those levels, We could not have done it without the support of our partner organizations and volunteers. Uh, One of the key ones is a high school organization called Just Imagine. They're a, a group of students out of Brownell Talbot that of their own WIC, they came together and basically offered their support in building STEM kits so that we were ordering our supplies from Amazon, shipping it to their homes. They were taking up space in their parents' living rooms and basements and bedrooms putting together individual kits, bringing them to our office location, and then we would distribute and send them to the schools. And then with our staff, with the volunteers, you're talking anywhere from 15 to 20 people individually putting together kits through this coordinated effort to try to get, by the end of 2020, we had over 16,000 lessons in the community, you know, and now fast forward to where we are today, you know, it's factors of order above that starting with, again, homegrown high school kids looking for ways to make an impact, you know, and they themselves were remote learning. So they were fulfilling not service hours because they were required, but they were fulfilling service hours because they saw a need and rose to meet that occasion. Since then, they have really kind of kind of taken the lead on their own to scale what they started at one school, to now bring it to several other schools to show other high school students, this is how you can help During this time of COVID, this is how you can help get um, service, you know, community impact done um, by helping put together things like STEM kits.
0: Gosh, Alan, I got goosebumps over here listening to this because there are so many stories within the pandemic learning scenarios with, you know, in the last year that I feel like have gone untold or undersold is probably a better way to even say it. That, that are inspiring. And, and this is Nebraska work that's happening right here. And uh, I'm so grateful uh, to have you on to share that today because I do just take a lot of pride in, in how much we value education and to hear that learners were active in uh, making those kits and creating these learning opportunities for their younger counterparts uh, across the state is just tremendous. And so that's just commendable work. I want to stop and say that for a moment. Thanks.
1: Well, again, I can't take any of the credit for it. This, is, this was put together you know, by teachers for teachers. It was literally packaged, assembled, and put together by students for students. So this is wider walls, taller ceilings, no floor. I mean, everybody contributing to this huge effort. And in the end, those students that were able to get this, if anything, we wish we could have done more, even though we did a whole lot of stuff.
0: And to kind of like build upon that then, I know you, you'd mentioned even before we started uh, the pod today that there are a myriad of different initiatives that Stem is involved in, even beyond the two that we've talked about so far. With maybe not having to get to each and every one of those, can, can you kind of speak to a little bit more of the breadth with which Stem sort of serves that STEM need here in Nebraska?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Beyond the STEM kits, which is really just touching the surface, that it was our way to address the urgent need in education. Beyond that, what we found was early on the remote environment that students were, were disconnected, and we needed a way to bring them back into the fold beyond just getting remote learning through Zoom or WebEx and those things. So one of the things that we did was we went all in on eSports. And eSports for us was a means to not just connect gaming with education, but really push those skills, the soft skills, the communication, the collaboration, teamwork, leadership, all those things that schools are really trying to lean in hard on uh, as supplementary skills to those hard skills of math and reading. That without these soft skills, which a lot of universities, higher ed have identified as the key essential elements for successful completion of those programs, uh, no different than Fortune 500 companies listing the top nine essential skills for successful onboarding into their companies. And so for us, we, we promote these esports tournaments. We call them gaming for good every month where students can register to compete on uh, games like Rocket League or Smash Brothers when you're talking about the younger kids to things like uh, Fortnite, League of Legends or Overwatch for the older kids. All of these have a component of collaboration of teamwork of perseverance and resilience, when you're talking about learning success through failures and trying to develop characteristics of grit and de- determination. We all know that kids at the end of the day, they want to be you know, on the devices. They want to finish their homework. They want to get done with their, their after school activities and they're jumping on their devices anyway. So for us, it was a means to be where the kids are at and then use it in a way that promotes not just those soft skills, but also empathy and civic mindedness. When they're designating a charity or a foundation of their choice for the Gaming for Good campaign, you can get stories of you know, this one student, his name is Joseph, nine year old, who ended up playing in one of our tournaments. It was a Fortnite tournament that he got second place. He made a hundred dollars, not for himself, but a hundred dollars for the charity of his choice, which was Sammy Superheroes. Sammy Superheroes, I had never heard of it. Have you heard of Sammy Superheroes? No. It turns out it's a foundation for kids with cancer, not knowing at the time that Joseph was a survivor of leukemia and that a year ago, he was going through chemotherapy, radiation, trying to fight his cancer. And he attributes his life and his surviving to Sammy superheroes. So this was, again, a nine-year-old's way to give back to the one thing that he felt could make a huge difference. And that was this foundation that helped him during his time of greatest need so yes hundred dollars donated to Sammy's superheroes in his name and those early days of our tournaments they were long days sometimes the the tournaments were six hours we've now since <laughs> become more efficient and we can get these tournaments down to two or three hours but when you have a nine-year-old even playing a video game for that long that's a long time but i re- remember from speaking to the parents that uh, uh he was doing it because he wanted to do it for sammy superheroes and we have other kids selecting things like ms because grandmother has multiple sclerosis we have kids doing it for nebraska humane society we have kids doing it for make a wish foundation because they had a fellow classmate that wanted to make a wish and didn't get it so they were trying to figure out ways to get them to make a wish gift so again trying to teach those areas of community impact um, empathy that otherwise especially during covid they wouldn't get those opportunities so that was one of the big areas that we were able to make some progress. And now those tournaments that started with maybe six, 12 kids a weekend are now up to over hundred kids because they've heard about number one, how much fun it is, you know, and that's where it all starts. But number two, the parents are, are more willing to support it, not just because of the good things that come out of the gaming for good, but also um, there's a whole Cinderella story with our esports director, who's a computer science teacher in Gretna. Her first team, uh, she was able to take it from, it was like a story out of Bad News Bears. uh, These kids that came from six disparate backgrounds coming together as a team that uh, ended up learning those essential skills of communication, of uh, adapting under adversity, of critical thinking, those sorts of things. And uh, coming together to not just win their local games, but also the city games and the, the statewide games and the regional games. And then we ended up sponsoring the national tournament on campus at UNO because the community engagement center had the fastest fiber connection. And so at that level, every millisecond counts in terms of those games. And so they wanted the absolute fastest connection with the least likelihood of glitching. So when we hosted it, this team that, you know, six months prior, were all doing their own thing in their own home separately. Now coming together, they ended up getting third at nationals. And then we thought that was amazing. Like we just patted ourselves on the back, said good job, and and congratulations, kids. Within two weeks, those kids, those six kids, started getting offers for scholarships and scholarships not just to schools you've never heard of, but scholarships to division one schools. And that's when you talk about mind-blowing realizations that we very quickly learned about how eSports is a means for a lot of higher institutions to recruit and to get kids through scholarships into programs like computer science, you know, IST, programs including things like journalism, when we talk about communications, because some of these students want to be shoutcasters, which was a whole new career base that I had never even heard of. You know, prior to eSports, I didn't even know what shoutcasting was. But now apparently there are full ride scholarships for those that are really good at communicating, you know, doing exactly what it is that you're doing doing things like podcasting. And if they reach a certain level, yeah, they can get their higher education paid for by these schools looking to recruit those exact students.
0: Wow, that's terrific. I, Alan, as you're sitting here sharing these stories, I, I oftentimes with the podcast, like think about, okay, what's my next question going to be? Or, or what are we going to bring up next? And I'm just in awe. <laughs> like I really, I really just want you to kind of like keep going because every story that you share seems to uh, and I love that you're intentional about this. This is really worth highlighting in everything that you're sharing here. That it's not necessarily about the tech tool. It's not necessarily about the the, the kit itself. And sure, it is fun and it's engaging to play a video game or to build something. Uh, but that that collaboration piece and that SEL piece and the resiliency uh, and the the individuals, you know, agency to say, "Hey, this is something I can do. I'm going to do." And and then I love the piece there too in both stories, right, about whether it's either giving back to the community or that experience leading to greater potential for that individual to go on to further their own education in a way that does through their own academic progress, allow them to go and serve that tech community or just their immediate one that they're from on a local level. That's just cool. This is really neat. (laughs) I'm just inspired by all of this. Well, I mean,
1: you do a much better job of describing it than I do. You're way more articulate. That's why I appreciate <laughs> you days. because you're doing a whole lot better job than I am. Um, you know, so I appreciate you saying what you're talking about because what I'm not doing a great job of describing is that all of this stuff that we're doing, all of these fun, engaging, you know, STEAM based uh, technology integrated activities, the mission of Prairie STEM is to improve critical thinking and creativity you know, through STEM and technology integration. It's more than just these bright, shiny objects, You know, whether you're talking about drones or robots or AR VR, all these things we bring into the classrooms. It is trying to get the students to understand their greatest value. And if we can in some way, shape or form, get them to light that spark of understanding so that a kid in underrepresented area can see the value of why, you know, why do I need to focus in school to, you know, learn math or reading or science, if they can see the long-term reasons, you know, the downstream reasons of the benefits of applying yourself, the benefits of focusing your efforts and to cut out the distractions through these really cool activities, you know, whether it's something as simple as STEM kits and doing hands-on activities to, you know, engaging on, uh, esports and games that previously you know you were limited on screen time and now parents are hearing about scholarships saying, hey, you need to go practice your rocket league.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: um, some some do. Uh, and then um, separately, eSports is being used as a way to re-engage students in high schools. you know we have a lot of ongoing partnerships and one of those in tribal communities looking to us as a means to bring students that are on the verge of dropping out because of the lack of engagement, because of the tough year that we've had, uh, now basically drawing them back onto the campus of the high schools, because of things like esports after school. So that's, that's been huge. And then you know, the last big initiative for us in 2021 has been our Girls in STEAM program. And the Girls in STEAM program is really uh, near and dear to my heart because you know, of my three kids, I have a daughter who she's very curious about the world around her. She is a scientist at heart. She is a a passionate person about everything that she does. But as with a lot of students, uh, those things oftentimes end up causing stress and struggles in the school environment, you know, if they're not the best at math and science in the classroom, if they're not the first to raise their hand when a teacher asks the question, you know, if they're not the, the first to finish a test, you know, during a standardized testing session. And that for a girl ages eight to 14, which is our target audience for girls in STEAM, that can be a make or break deal for these kids to decide for themselves what their value in STEM or STEAM is, to decide whether or not they want to be an engineer or a scientist or a wildlife biologist or whatever you wanna call it, if early on they feel like they're not good in math or science. Um, and so we really kind of took that to heart. Our, the founder of Prairie STEM, you know, Dr. Bing Chen, who started this as a means to uh, engage not just students, but to get uh, intentional uh, PD for teachers to bring robotics and technology into the classroom. He, as a former chairperson of engineering at the University of Nebraska, um, saw that there was a huge disparity in gender with the incoming students, that women were far less represented than men on the order of single digits. You know, in a class of 100 freshman seminar students, you could count on one hand how many women were in that class, even though the output of all those graduating engineers is to produce cell phones, computers, PCs, you name it, for the entire community, you know, that's 50% men and women. So we took it upon ourselves to go as early as we can to make a difference. And that is to provide a 10-week program that's safe and empowering for girls to be able to express their own, not just fears, but also their strengths in an environment that recognizes their potential, that doesn't uh, exclude them from anything because of their gender, that in the exact opposite, because of their gender, it gives them strength among their peers to be able to explore those things in science that otherwise are, you know, gender-based. So in our programs, you know, this last one, it was all remote, and we did that again because of the environment we're in. These girls got a robot, Um, that normally it's a $200 robot that they basically built from scratch. And over the 10-week program, every week that was an added module onto the robot. The cool thing was this was in parallel to watching the SpaceX, to watching Perseverance rover landing on Mars. They were literally building their own version of the rover in their bedrooms, in their kitchen, on their dining tables, uh, where every week there was an added Lesson, you know, an added STEAM lesson that went with it, along with the intentional SEL that goes with it. And then at the end of the the day, they're doing things like learning how to program a sensor that's a proximity sensor to judge distance, or learning how to use a uh, light sensor to follow the light, you know, using a flashlight, or to program the robot to go into those areas, or to do a line follower and those things. Imagine a, a girl in third grade. Learning these skills, learning to program—you know—more than just Scratch programming. You know, they're learning the actual application of the program, and then having those girls, like my daughter, who's 11, that went through the program, taking components—or not just taking components—but understanding the difference between a, a microprocessor and a Wi-Fi transmitter just by looking at it and knowing exactly what things to plug into on a breadboard, uh, because they want to create their own new original device. That's a remote-controlled door opener for the kid's chicken coop, you know, that kind of stuff. Because now, after 10 weeks, they know how to do it. So the world becomes their oyster. Anything they want to do, anything that they see themselves uh, becoming, they can achieve because of those types of experiences. And the girls that have gone through it, last year was our first year. It was supposed to be at one location with 40 girls. Last year, we ended up having six locations with 220 girls. Of those girls that did it last year, the outcome of them was um, being able to compete at the Nebraska Robotics Expo. Last year was the 12th year. Uh, Because of the Girls in STEAM program, we increased girl participation by 400%. Wow. And of those that ended up on the podium, a good number of those were individual and team winners came from the Girls in STEAM program. Where 10 weeks prior, there was no thought or, or even discussion about entering into a robotics competition.
0: That's so powerful. And I know, well, I had an opportunity to be part of the Nebraska Robotics Expo this year a little bit and share out for a a brief session and uh, just getting the opportunity to see all that that event was able to be uh, virtually this go around. I'm sure you all have to be very excited at the trajectory of all this then moving forward. And so with that being one of the uh, I would imagine, right? That's one of the dates that gets circled on your calendar each year <laughs> as something for them to all look forward to. Uh, yeah, can you speak a little bit to to how you see all of this growing um, moving forward, given the progress that you've um, noted here recently?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. With the uh, Nebraska Robotics Expo, you know that initially started as a means to again engage students through their teachers talking about the advantages of using robots or technology as that object to engage learning at the highest levels. That um, we believe as an organization that a high tide lifts all boats. That these really cool things in education, whether it's robots or all those things we talked about, drones, AR, VR, coding, all those things should not just be reserved for the you know, best of the brightest, but it should be something given to the entire community lifting all those boats so that when you get that level of ubiquitous integration within the school systems, it allows really cool things to happen. Those cool things are exactly what we experienced this year through the all virtual event, where uh, it was the culmination of 10 weeks of events leading up to it, similar to the girls in STEAM, but these were uh, NRE sprints that we had where students would then at the end of each sprint uh, create presentations that were uh, loaded through Flipgrid and shared, not just for their uh, teachers and classmates, but for others to see the cool things that they did. And well, then-
0: and I'll interject to say, I got to see some of those and there were some really fun videos. You could yep. tell learning was happening. Uh, one one that really was near and dear to my heart and watching those, just as an aside here, sorry, was there was one That's student great. who was, I think, the, the very young in, individual in this video, but he was his aim had been to create a robot that would serve a purpose and he was advocating for this robot that would do your homework <laughs> and he <laughs> built this robot out and where the where the paper would go and how it would come back out finished and yep. it was it was adorable it was uh you could tell that he really saw a need and wanted to address it and uh, so anyway I just I wanted to give some examples because they are terrific and it is great that the students get to see that from one another because there's an the energy that comes with that uh, and an inspiration to that. I feel like that's where creativity lies most often is when you start to see what's possible from other people that are doing similar tasks.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and they feed off of each other, right? right. Like when that kid does that thing, what does it do for the 10, 20, 30, 50 other kids that see it and be like, hey, I can do that too. Or, hey, what about this idea? And then when they start sharing those ideas and they start, again, feeding off of each other, then that's when the magic happens. That's when these students start looking on YouTube for ideas that they can do at home. You know, that's when these students start envisioning themselves as what Dr. Carla that Barry, you know, one of our keynote speakers talked about in terms of what she does in her university as the chairperson for engineering. They are doing everything that we're doing here to the next level where they are providing not just the robots, but having the kids build them from the components up where they're not just providing the lessons on coding but giving them challenges based on the the learned lessons that they then have to complete on their own. You know, so doing creative changes. One of the major partners and sponsors for the event was Facebook. They have a whole curriculum designed on education called Chatbots for Change, where they teach AI programming, which is, you know, right in your wheelhouse. We were talking about AI earlier. (laughs) Right. And, And having kids, you know, as young as third, fourth, fifth grade, writing programs that they use on the platform for social justice for things that are near and dear to the heart and make it an impact that otherwise would never be possible in terms of an option so you know going back to the nre and 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 what it represents those are the things that we are trying to inspire creativity we're trying to inspire these these kids to see themselves as being anything they want to be and that includes the arts you know for us the a and steam is a big component that there's nothing that you can do in society now without seeing the impact that an artist or a creative had on whatever that product is, whether it's your cell phone TV, your car, a bridge, a building, there's art integrated in every aspect of it. And so we heavily push the art, you know, the music, all those areas to try to bring everybody into the fold, um, that those bright brain creatives have every bit a right to sit at the table of those you know, executive level discussions when you're talking about fifth graders, you know, working on a collective team for a project, sometimes those creatives are able to then inspire the others to move forward on those engineering design builds. So yeah, all of that brought into the fold. It's fun, it's exciting. Uh, this year, as you mentioned, was our first year doing it all virtual, even though it's been 13 years in the making, and we couldn't be happier with the engagement. We couldn't be happier with the level of uh, input that these students put into it to the extent that even if things return back to normal and we sincerely hope that it does, we will still continue to have a virtual component, whether it's a hybrid version or something along those lines for future expos. Because what we really found cool was it was no longer limited to people that were proximate to the SAC Museum, which is where we used to have it every year. Now it can be anybody in any corner of the state and for that matter, anybody in any corner of the country or outside of the country, we actually had some students coming, zooming in from outside of the country. Or I shouldn't say Zoom. It was a hop platform. platform. <laughs> you, can, you can look at the analytics, you know, which is a really cool thing about using this platform, is that you can now look at exactly how much time the students or the teachers or the participants engaged with each of the different uh, speakers or each of the different activities or each of the different vendor booths at a much higher level in terms of analytics than we ever had before when we were doing it in person. You know, when we did it in person, it was great. Last year was our biggest expo. We had over a thousand participants, but that was it. It was just bottom line, bold number in terms of the total number of people that came in. This year's event, not nearly as big, but in terms of quality of data, you could see those things that engage the students so much better by the time that they were in it by the engagement through the uh, conversations that were happening through the polls and those things with the adults, that this allows us to then go back and look at the data and see where we can and should apply more resources and where we need to adjust and take away some resources so we can reassess and reallocate those resources to other things that are of higher interest to students and teachers.
0: Wow. Well, and, uh I got to say it was, it was a great experience. Shout out to Mr. Seed too, by the way. Good buddy. <laughs> I'm sure those sessions were as engaging as uh, the analytics had to be great on that one because you, well,
1: again, and you know, shout out to uh, Andrew Easton for, <laughs> for your talk because you, you know, without you being one of those amazing speakers, it definitely would not have been as good of an event as it was. So thank you for participating.
0: Well, it, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I think that this conversation here reveals everything that you need to know about Prairie STEM as far as uh, I appreciate your why. I appreciate the heart behind the work that you're doing. I think that it's important and it's benefited not only my own kids, but I've seen it in, in the community that they're a part of. And I want to reiterate at this point, as we're closing the pot out, this is happening in Nebraska, right? <laughs> and so I know I've said it a couple of times, but. Uh, I really am excited to share out uh, this story through this platform, because I want to point people to that. And so to close today, Alan, uh, would you kind of share out, I guess, maybe a little bit of a a call to action, or if individuals listening to this are like, thanks, how do I get involved? Or, Or what are the avenues through which we can get connected? Sure. In terms of call to action, at this
1: point, everybody is doing something, you know, there is no way that you could have gotten through this year without doing something. And so to that, I say kudos to all the educators that are on here listening because you've had the toughest job out of any profession uh, in the history of civilization, you know, going through this past year. And so I can't say thank you enough as a parent, you know, as a service provider in education, it's, it's an incredible feat. For us here in Nebraska, we are very fortunate to live in a state that is extremely, A, philanthropic, meaning we have the support of foundations to do a lot of these things, that otherwise would not be available. Uh, and B, in terms of volunteerism, as I mentioned early on, you know, we couldn't do the things we did without the, the, the army of volunteers that rise up and meet those challenges, that see a need and fill it. Uh, and I'm not talking about retired teachers volunteering, I'm talking about young students, high school students, near peer mentoring, doing those sorts of things. Um, this weekend we have an event, you know, it's called the Sisters in STEM Leadership Summit. It is put on by college student girls in combination with high school leadership girls for middle school girls. So the college students are mentoring the high school students. The high school and the college students are doing near peer mentoring for the middle school students. It's specific to girls in sixth, seventh, and eighth grades. uh, And it's this weekend from 10 a.m. till noon. And there are all sorts of events focused on getting these middle school girls to understand their value, not just in STEM, not just as a woman, but as a leader in the school, as a future leader in the community, and as someone that can change the world. So near-term call to action, I would, if you know girls in the middle school sector, that's a great way to get them plugged into one of these events. Um, registration is open all the way up, pretty much until the day of. But in terms of STEM kits, in terms of esports, in terms of all these different activities, everything that I've shared is, is available on our website. Uh, everything that I shared is something that we would love to support at these different areas all around the state that haven't been able to uh, get this level of programming. And so in the way that uh, we've been able to scale this year, we're doing strong outreach into those communities that are looking for additional ways to engage on STEM.
0: Uh, absolutely. And give me the web address for those folks listening in that are, uh, and we'll put this in the show notes as well.
1: It's uh, Prairistem.org. It's all one word.
0: And there you have it. So uh Alan, I want to thank you so much for all your advocacy, for your leadership, for the hours it takes to organize these many different avenues for students to to feel connected and to be connected and to envision a potential future uh and maybe in in these areas uh, with STEM and STEAM. And yeah, for having a great chat today. So thanks.
1: Yep. Thank you so much, Andrew. This is great.